This is the day that the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. I'm Reverend Jay Glover, and you're listening to Faith Talk. And today we are continuing our introduction to biblical thought. We're now moving from the First Testament or the the Old Testament into the New Testament, beginning with the Gospel according to Matthew. Matthew is the, the first book in the New Testament and has been considered and referred to as the procedure manual for the church. Now, I must remind you that this is an introductory level discussion that that aims to provide insight to the gospel according to Matthew. Now, for someone who has never read this story or has little acquaintance with the gospel according to Matthew, I believe this is for you. And my prayer is that you benefit in some way from this introductory discussion. I'm not going to do a line-by-line theological um, interpretation of what the meaning is to us and all of that. And I'm certainly in no way is this an attempt to convert you from your faith tradition. I just want to take the time. If you have never read it before, I want you to come to know what you might expect if you decide to pick it up and read it. So again, this is an introductory level discussion, and I encourage you to um, go and read it for yourself. So now, please um, be reminded that you can visit this website, my website at www.reverendjstuartglover.com, where you can actually contact me directly through email. You can leave a voicemail on the site. You can register to be a guest on the show. You can leave comments on the episodes as well as comment on the on the blog post. And now I'll say in the beginning that if there's something in the Gospel of Matthew that jumps out to you and you'd like to share it with us, please come on in and, and join as a guest. So let, let, us, let us just get started. The Gospel according to Matthew has as its theme the revealing of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as the Messiah. Now, we should understand that the writer's audience was primarily a a Jewish Christian audience. What do I mean by that? Jewish people who had recently converted to Christianity. The New Oxford Annotated Bible, the, the New Revised Standard Version, declares that Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, was also the gospel that was most frequently employed by the early church. Its arrangement of the teachings of Jesus into five discourses made it easy to use for the instruction of recent converts. The Gospel of Matthew's inclusion of the birth narrative, the ministry, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus offers the reader a comprehensive biographical shape to the life and ministry of Jesus. So now, in the very first chapter of Matthew, we have an account of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, I told you I'm going to tell you what's in the book, and that is what I'm doing. The This genealogy goes back to Abraham and comes forward leading us to the birth of Jesus. And as the first chapter continues to 
describe the to go on to describe the birth narrative of Jesus. It, it explains that the the mother of Jesus had been engaged to Joseph, and before they were actually married, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to her expose her to public disgrace, he planned to dismiss her quietly. And if you're asking yourself the question, why would he do that? It's very simple. They weren't married yet. They had not even known each other intimately, and Mary is now carrying a child. To no surprise, Joseph was taken back by this unexpected pregnancy, and he was ready to, as the Bible says, dismiss her quietly. But the Bible continues to tell us that when he had made up his mind to do so, he resolved to, to dismiss Mary quietly, that an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. He will be your son and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this took, took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Then the gospel goes on to quote the words of the prophet. The prophet said this, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So now through this, um, genealogical tracing and the birth narrative we, we and the words of the prophet, we see that the, the writer is, is definitely um, attempting to prove the, the messiahship of Jesus the Christ. So, so far in, in the writings, we see the connection between this geneal genealogical tracing back to Adam, I'm, I'm sorry, Abraham, and now we also see the birth of Jesus as the fulfillment of the words of the prophet Isaiah. So for a Jewish audience, Jewish converts to Christianity, again, what the writer is doing, and this is very important, is proving the fulfillment of the Jewish messianic expectation of the Messiah being fulfilled in Jesus the Christ. So getting back to Joseph and Mary, I would like to say this. This angel appeared to Joseph and, and assured him that this was a divine intervention, that this was the immaculate conception. And, and after being confronted by the angel and, and informed of the, the truthfulness of, of this godly intervention, Joseph decided not to leave Mary and he married her. <clears throat> now, as all of this was going on, there was a king and the king was very unhappy to hear from wise men that a, a child was being born to be king of the Jews and a great ruler. This king was so unhappy that he ordered for the, the search of this child to be conducted. And upon finding him, upon finding this baby, they would kill him. So Joseph and Mary, the mother and the father, they fled into Egypt to, to escape the danger presented by the king. 
And when the king died, they later went to Israel. So now again, it is in, at this point in the Gospel of Matthew, in the third chapter, we, we find the mention and the introduction of John the Baptist, who appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So if you never read the story and you heard people talk about John the Baptist, this is where you can find it. It's in the Gospel of Matthew in the third chapter. The Bible tells us that John the Baptist was an unusual character who wore clothing of camel's hair and, and a leather belt around his waist. They say he lived in the desert. His food was locust and wild honey. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think I can make it off of locust and wild honey. But John was an unusual character. John was attracting crowds of people and he would baptize them in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. John also spoke of one who was coming that was more powerful than he. And he was talking about Jesus. And one day, Jesus shows up at one of John's baptizing sessions at the Jordan River. And guess what? Jesus himself was baptized by John the Baptist. This is where the Bible says that suddenly the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and landing on Jesus. A voice from heaven said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Now I have done a great deal of summarizing. We're already up to chapter four. My intention is to just let you know what's in this book in case you never read. So in the fourth chapter in the Gospel of Matthew, this is where we find Jesus being led by the Spirit into the wilderness, into the desert to be tempted by the, the one that we have come to be known as the devil. The Bible says that Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and Afterwards, he was very hungry and tired, and this tempter came to him with a series of tests and, and temptations, and Jesus rejected him at every instance. Finally, he tells Satan, away with you, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. At this point in the story, the devil leaves Jesus. And, and towards the, the closing of the fourth chapter is where we find Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee. He sees two brothers, one Simon and, and Andrew, um, fishermen. They were casting their nets into the sea. And he approaches them and says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And the Bible says that immediately they left their nets and followed him. So now we can safely conclude that we've gotten to the point in the narrative, in the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus is gathering his disciples. He is beginning to gather his disciples and they decide at this point to follow him. This is certainly the beginning, the ministry of Jesus, the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, where he goes throughout Galilee teaching in the synagogues and, and proclaiming the, the good news of the kingdom. 
he was, according to the biblical text, he was healing every sickness among the people. So guess what? He began to be recognized throughout the region and people began to bring the sick to him. They brought people with all sorts of sicknesses, whether they were physical illnesses or mental instabilities, they brought these people to Jesus. And large crowds began to follow Jesus. And finally we get to this great fifth chapter where we find what is, you may have heard is referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. As a matter of fact, chapters five, six, and seven continue at this point with the compression of the teachings of Jesus. So, if it is, I don't know what you heard about Jesus, what other people have told you, but if you draw your conclusions about Jesus, about God, about the church, uh, from what other people have told you, I propose to you today that you do better by taking a look at this book so that you can learn for yourself. If it is the teachings of Jesus that you're looking for so you can make your own judgments, um, look at Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Great place to look. This is why the Gospel of Matthew is referred to as the instruction manual for the church. For we have to understand that the, the early church, let's say um, 30, 40, 50 years after Jesus died, the church was in its early formation stages and this book was used to, to draw from the teachings of Jesus as they tried to figure out what the practice of the church should actually look like. What should we do? What should we teach? How should we follow Jesus based on his teachings in these chapters? So now the, the, the eighth chapter begins with Jesus's healing ministry where Jesus heals a leper. Now, lepers were ostracized from the rest of the community. They were declared unclean by the priests. They were the unwanted, the marginalized, the rejected, the excluded. But in this story, Jesus heals the leper and restores him. Another man comes to Jesus and says that his servant is lying at home, paralyzed in terrible distress. And Jesus heals the man's servant. These two instances of healing are followed by more. Peter's mother-in-law was laying in the bed with a fever and, and Jesus touched her hand and, and the fever left. And she got up and, and began to serve the Lord. The Bible informs us that many people were brought to him who were possessed with demons. And these healings through Jesus demonstrated the power of God through his son. So yeah, we continue and the Bible continues to tell us stories of great stories of Jesus healing people. We get to see the great healing ministry of Jesus in action. We also see something else, that 
as these healings continue and the teaching continues, now the religious leaders are being disturbed by this activity. They, they begin to question Jesus and his followers, asking things like why Jesus sat with ordinary people that were considered to be sinners. They ask them, why does your teacher sit and eat with tax collectors and sinners? You know, he's supposed to be so righteous, he claims to be the Messiah. Why is he associating with these people? And Jesus, in response, declares that he's come not for the well, but for the sick. So now, so far, fast review, we have seen in this Gospel of Matthew the genealogy tracking of Jesus all the way back to Abraham. We then saw the birth narrative, the baptism of Jesus, and we saw Jesus being tempted in the desert. You heard me talk briefly about Jesus calling his disciples and Jesus being accused of false teaching by the religious leaders of the day. They questioned his authority and his interpretation of the Jewish law and the scripture. Amen, amen. So as we continue to explore the the contents of this text, we encounter, not to my surprise, a series of miracle stories. With all that we've talked about, let, remind, let me remind you that if you want to get a close look at the ministry of Jesus, this is a wonderful book to read. so that you can know for yourself what it was that Jesus actually said, what he taught and what he actually did. So if you're looking how to model, how should the ministry of our church be modeled? Well, look to Jesus. Look right here in this book, the Gospel of Matthew. Take note of what he did. If you never read this book and you were, you're tired of hearing all the things that people say about Jesus and you want to know for yourself, I invite you to pick up the Gospel of Matthew, it is considered to be the instruction manual for the church. So through his teachings, Jesus shed new light on the teachings of the Old Testament. His teachings, his reinterpretation of Torah clearly articulated the mercy and the love of God and showed it in action, in his actions. So now after this great ministry of teaching, healing, and gaining followers, the religious leaders of the day, they felt threatened to the point where they wanted to kill Jesus and get rid of this problem. So it was at the celebration of Passover. Every year, the Jewish people gather. They come from all over to celebrate Passover. And the Passover was the celebration of God calling his people out of Egypt. Jesus celebrated this Passover meal with his disciples. It was this meal that has come to be known to us as the Lord's Supper. And it was at this meal that Jesus took a loaf of bread and after blessing it, he broke it. He gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. 
And then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, for, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Now, shortly after they finished their meal, they sang a hymn. They went out to the, to the Mount of Olives, and at the base of the Mount of Olives is what they, they call the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus went to this garden to pray. The Bible says that he was deeply grieved, knowing what he was about to face, and he went off to pray. The disciples, I should let you know, you'll find that they fell asleep at this time. Shortly after this prayer, Jesus was arrested. Now you can find the account of the, the Last Supper in the 26th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. You can find his arrest in the same chapter. But what happens after his arrest? What happens after his arrest is that he was beaten all night long. He was questioned. He was interrogated and put on a trial. Put on trial and found guilty in the hearts and minds of men. The hearts and minds of religious leaders the high priest. He was eventually dragged through the streets and led to a hilltop called Calvary, where he was, they laid a cross down on the ground. They laid Jesus down on top of this cross. They nailed him to the cross. Then they lifted the cross up and there hung Jesus between two thieves. This point in the story is the crucifixion of Jesus. But the, the good news for, for those who, who um, are in the tradition, Christian tradition of faith, we know that the story does not end there. But the story continues with Mary Magdalene going to the tomb where Jesus was buried. And as she gets to the tomb with this stone that weighed thousands of pounds locking him in, an angel of the Lord appeared, appeared to her and said, do not be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he's not here. For he has been raised, as he said. Come for yourself and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead. So the Bible says that Mary left the tomb quickly. And she was the first to report that she had seen the Lord, that Christ had risen and Jesus revealed himself to her. He showed himself to her. And she ran back to the others and said, I have seen the Lord. The, the ending of this chapter concludes with what is referred to as the Great Commission, where Jesus says, Go ye therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, to obey everything that I have commanded. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, this is how 
the Gospel of Matthew ends. And if there's something, somebody perhaps who's familiar with this story, if you're listening and you want to come in and share one of your favorite parts of the Gospel of Matthew, please come on in. But this is the ending of the Gospel of Matthew. And I hope that for those of you who have never read the story, I hope that you have an idea of what's in the book and what you can expect to read if you decide to look further. One of my um, motivations for this series is that people draw conclusions about God, about the church, based on what other people have told them and what they see people who identify as Christians doing. They spot and take note of the hypocrisies and they hold it against God instead of the people. So I suggest reading the story so that you can know for yourself and base your conclusions on what you get directly from your reading and your prayer. So you can receive the revelation, as we say, for yourself. What do I mean by revelation? I mean that you can receive God's self-disclosure. Him telling you all about himself right through reading these passages. So again, I encourage you to read for yourself. And I pray that you have benefited from this discussion in some way. It's a it's a it's been an introductory level discussion. My purpose is to to not um, do a line by line, but to gently walk you through what is in the book. And I have a friend coming on in that I, I would uh, love to hear from. It's good to hear from Dr. Laquita Monley. How are you? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? Oh, I am so good. I'm so good. I had a long day. Um, I'm usually come on at about four o'clock, but today I was had to go down to Manhattan and take care of some business. So I just came back. I po- posted something up on the website last night and I figured I'd come back and try to get a little more in here tonight. Amen, amen, amen. So I'm, I'm assuming that you heard this story before. I, just a little bit of it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, um, I really enjoy um, the Book of Matthew. Well, the synoptics in general, because it, it's a it's a great place to start, for in my opinion, to just learning who Jesus is, mm-hmm. and and like you were just saying, you know, learning for yourself who He is versus trying to figure out who he is based off of the misrepresentation of people. Amen. And that is a problem today. I mean, so many people, um, they draw these conclusions based on what they've been told and what they see people do. Yes. And, and, and they reject God. And I believe it's to their own detriment. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, we when we, it's like it's like trying to get to know someone or form an opinion on a, we can talk about like a ten, uh, a real list, a person today and you get it all through hearsay when you, it's so easy um, to then just go and get to know the person for yourself. Well, we understand that we cannot have like a typical conversation with Jesus, but if we take the time to read the word of God that he has written about himself, then it will be it will become easier to get to know him, and and also it'll be easier to recognize when people are 
as you say, um, I love the way you said that, that, that identify as Christian, <laughs> that when the people who are identifying as followers of Jesus Christ, you know, get taking the time to get to know him and what he said, you'll definitely know that, oh, though your mouth may say that, you know, you are a believer, your actions are not lining up with what the scripture says. So it's, it's important to have a start in that. Uh, the book of Matthew, for me, is a great place to start. Amen. I, I mean, you know, I um, I think that, you know, just like when you talked about getting to know someone, another person, right? Um, you need to spend time with that person. You need to um, let that person tell you all about themselves before you decide to marry yeah, them, right? Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and people make the mistake of jumping too fast into that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> They don't get the full disclosure. They right, right, right. Or they, they rush you know, into it. Yes, yes. So, so, they so know someone else's information. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm them. just encouraging someone who um, who has questions and hesitations and and probably for the right reasons. Maybe somebody can't trust someone has a trust issues with people and maybe for the right reasons and, and they find that they can't trust a God that they can't see. Mm -hmm. and, and so they need to read for themselves. That's my point. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's definitely understandable. You know, it's, especially those people who have apprehensions, like you said, about organized religion or perhaps they were raised in a different faith system. And so they're exploring new faith systems or even if they were raised in the quote, quote church, but they experienced a lot of things that were not good things and it makes them uh, doubt who God is. The best place to start with understanding who God is, is to read his word. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean to, <clears throat> I don't mean to trigger anybody tonight, but you know, I've met, um, People, men and women, mm -hmm. have had such bad experiences with their own natural father mm -hmm. that when you talk about God as a father, they have a hard time with that. Yes, yes, yes. They were perhaps traumatized in their youth. And so as soon as you mention Father God, they're like, oh, this is not for me. Right, right, right. Um, and it, it, it's been my experience and some of the people that we, we have been... It, you know, honored to, to meet and, and fellowship with that have had those situations where the part of their testimony now is, you know, through time and understanding who God is, that relationship helped, their relationship with Christ actually helped them to heal from the damage that was done to them by either the abusive natural father or the absence of the natural father. Amen. So let's let's just let me ask you a question here about this. Now we're familiar with you know the, the Bible talks, you know, the, the Gospel of Matthew it has a series of healing stories in the mm -hmm. healing ministry of Jesus. If we could just focus in on one instance of of the healing of a leper. Mm -hmm. So you know the lepers of course were and what we want to look at is how, how, um, what the lepers possibly represent for us mm -hmm. today. I mm -hmm. say that they were marginalized. They yeah. were the outcasts. They were the undesirables. They were the mm -hmm. untouchables. They were broken. They mm -hmm. couldn't earn a living. Mm -hmm. 
They were excluded from everything. They were excluded from the church. They were ex mm -hmm. excluded from the synagogue. They couldn't <clears throat> be around people. Right, right. And and what was Jesus's response to their condition? He, he had a very loving response to their condition. He did not uh, to exclude them was something that he didn't do. You know that, and that's that's the that's one of the beautiful things that you'll find throughout Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The very um, group of peoples that culture and society excludes, demonizes, or pushes away. Those are the very people that Jesus went to. He sat with them. He talked with them. He broke bread with them. He healed them. But in order to do that, he had to fellowship with them and see them and 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 taught his disciples to not see them in their current condition, but to see them the way God intended them to be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, in the gospel of Matthew, it talks about how the religious leaders were so upset and they, they questioned his disciples. Why does he sit with these sinners? Sinners in public. He's claiming yeah, And why is he even associating with them? So, um, again, he, he wasn't um, a God of exclusion. He wasn't no. a God of, of separation. He was, in matter of fact, highly inclusive. And he reached out to those who were marginalized, poor, and oppressed. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of the things, that's some of the very things that kept him in hot water, if you will, with the learned men of the day. Because what he did did not necessarily fit what they thought that he should be doing as the king of the Jews or as the Messiah, the anointed one, right? <clears throat> the very groups of people whom the Pharisees and Sadducees and lawyers and all of those guys would not fellowship with and would not even, like you said, allow in the temple. His heart was people, so he went to them. Doctor, Doctor um, Monley, I have you set up here for a minute and thirty-eight seconds. I need you to come back in. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I will. Be I there. didn't know it was going to be you. If <laughs> <laughs> I got to be careful here. <laughs> you be a good steward over my time. <laughs> so, um, you know, again, Jesus. You know, this whole, this whole, we live in a very exclusionary society of supremacist thinking, whether it's, uh, whether it's, you know, people talk about white supremacy, but there's also mm -hmm. religious supremacy. Absolutely. Where, where we, we are looking to exclude everyone, everybody's going to hell but us. Mm -hmm. And, and um, this is a poor image of God, and we need to do better than that as God's people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. You know, those, those of us that are in right relationship with God, then we understand his heart. And it's so important for us to be able to, if I can say it like this, interpret the mind of God or the heart of God to the people of God. And the people of God is humanity, whether they name the name of Christ or not. It's, we have to be his true and correct representations in this earth. And the life that we live and how we treat others are our best tools to use to show people Christ today. 
Amen. Amen. I, I appreciate that. And you're going to have to come back in. So, you know, um, I like what you said about understanding his heart. The only way we can get to know him and understand his heart is by spending time with him. And that time is time spent in, in reading, in prayerful, prayerful reading, not academic reading, but prayerful reading. And this way we can get to know his voice. Now, some of us, I heard an illustration of a pastor in Manhattan, a, a woman pastor in, of the Riverside Church in Manhattan, a historic church. She said that, and I hope I can get this right. She, she used the example of a, a fish that's, that's um, toxic. And, and if it's not prepared properly mm -hmm. by someone who is trained, I think the puffer fish, they call it. Mm -hmm. If the fish is not prepared by someone who's trained to serve it, to prepare it and serve it, then it will be toxic. Absolutely. And so it is with, the, with this book we have called the Bible. Absolutely. Somebody may have introduced somebody to the contents of this Bible in a, by, in a way that they weren't trained to do. And, yes. Or they were prepared to do it in a very bad way. Yes. And, and um, they end up with what we call like a ministerial malpractice. Mm -hmm. Where they end up hurting people instead yes. of helping people. So. Yes. So now somebody might be listening who has been in the audience of a bad teacher, right? And, and, and they've been unable to, to discern the heart of God because they haven't spent time wow. with God. They spent time with somebody who was misrepresenting the truth of God and causing them to have a poor God construct, a poor image of right. God. So we're, tonight we're just encouraging folks to read it for themselves. Mm -hmm. And, and here's the thing, you know, um, it re uh, the this reminds me of um, when uh, Philip was having the conversation with the eunuch and the eunuch was reading the book of Isaiah because he wanted to get to know God. And this just happened to be the book that he was reading. And then, well, the scripture doesn't really say why he was reading that uh, particular book but he was reading it when you begin to want to know him and I love what you said about not just academically but I want to know who this Jesus is and I want to know him for myself though so when your heart posture is I want to know you I don't want to know you to debunk you I don't want to know you to justify you I want to know you to know you that unit wanted to know God and the Lord provided for him someone who was qualified to help him understand and even when Philip if, if and please correct me if I'm wrong so even when Philip arrived and he was having the conversation with the unit he asked me hey what are you doing and the eunuch said he told him what he was doing and in that conversation and I'm just paraphrasing here. In that conversation, the eunuch asked him, how can I even really, really understand completely what it is that I'm reading if someone doesn't show me? You know, and that, and that's the thing. When, you're, when we want to know him simply to know him, we will come to, he will give us the understanding that we need. But when we come to places where we don't understand, he will also provide those that are qualified those that are qualified to help us in breaking that thing down so that 
as <clears throat> Reverend Glover was saying that what we what we're reading and trying to understand of the Lord, we will. And it won't end up being something that's detrimental, but it'll end up being something that has a very positive impact on your life and quite possibly the lives of the people that are connected to you. Amen. So, you know, we can conclude. I mean, we can say this. We can say that if you find yourself, your response to God, you find yourself being pulled away from God and bitter towards God, then something is not right. And you need to check out the, the, what you're basing this information on. I like, um, uh, I think it was last week, I did a, um, a session on the Queen of Sheba. And her experience was that she heard a lot about um, this King Solomon. She heard a lot and she wanted to come and see for herself. Mm-hmm. So she traveled this thousand of mile journey and she got to sit with the king. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to do. Yes. We need to sit with the king before mm-hmm. we come to conclusions about somebody who we haven't sat with. Come on, and, now, and, and the Bible says that she sat with the king and in her sitting, she, uh, she found, she realized, she had an aha moment. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. What I'm seeing far exceeds what I heard. Yes. And this is much better than anything. I, not even half the truth was told to me. Mm. And, and, and so she, what did she do? She learned from the king. She poured out her heart. And the king answered every question that she had. And, and she was blown away. She praised God in the presence of the king. And then what did she do? She blessed the king yes. with her yes. gifts. And then what happened then? Then the king blessed mm. her and she left with more than she came. Yes. Yes. So this is this is what we need to do. We need to sit down and, and meet with the king uh, through our prayer and through our reading. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I think I said something right there. You, you said you said you hit the nail on the proverbial head, if you will. <laughs> you did that. You did. You know, we have to take time to get to know him. Not know of him, not have an inkling about him, but get to know him. You know, and, and the, here's the thing, like we understand that when we're pursuing after career growth, you know, if, if you're an academic and you, you're wanting to, you know, um, get better in your craft, whether you're going from elementary school teacher to tenure professor at whatever university you're working on. We all understand that in order to reach the heights that we want to reach in our careers, even as entrepreneurs, uh, as business owners, we understand that we have to um, be mentored by or study the greats in order to figure out how to become great, right? And even if we never meet a person in person and we heard about them, like some of these Zig Ziglar and just, you know, just to name a few, some people who have gone on and they, they passed on from this life into the next. Um, but we still read their books. We still read their books and we want to learn about them through their books. We study them through their books. Now, why do we understand that? And from a natural sense, but we don't, we have all sorts of arguments laid out before us as to why that's foolish when it comes to spiritual things. I think that it's, I think that we can partially attribute that to people's bad experience um, with the way they've been introduced to God as, as though, you know, I heard a gentleman on here last night talking about how 
He used to have nightmares as a kid thinking about burning in hell. Oh, wow. And, and, you know, this is traumatic and it traumatizes mm-hmm. a kid. And, and I wish that that guy would come and talk to me because mm-hmm. I can reintroduce him in a way that's not so different. That's not right, 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 you know. And, that, and that, that, that you make a really good point right there because someone introduced it to him in a horrific way. So he did not get to know the God of love, that God is love. It's not all hell damnation, but he is love. As a matter of fact, when but I read this story of, of Matthew, I don't see Jesus approaching anybody, condemning anybody outside of some of the religious leaders. This is very true. So I think that I think that the, he was concerned with their poor teaching and mm-hmm. their giving a, a bad image of God to the people, mm-hmm. taking advantage of people, exploiting the people, mm-hmm. and, and Jesus was doing the exact opposite. He was he was um, healing them, feeding them, mm-hmm. meeting their every need. Every need. And 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 um, this is you know I I don't see the problem. I mean, people only reject <laughs> God when they have a poor image of God in their mind that came from somebody told them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is it. This is it. When you have that, when you have a poor image of someone, and it, it was like you know, when you don't, when you dislike someone through hearsay, you haven't met them, you don't really know them. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to, whoops, when it comes to getting to to know, um, mm-hmm. even in the natural sense of relationship between a man and his wife or two people that are dating, <clears throat> try being in a relationship with somebody that you don't talk to. <laughs> it don't work. <laughs> it does not it doesn't work because you'll never get to know them. Mm-hmm. Or try being in relationship with somebody who you won't listen to. It does not work. Yeah, and the same thing applies with with your relationship with God. Mm-hmm. God is willing to reveal Himself fully to you, tell you all about Himself, but you have to be willing to listen. That's it. And get past the um, get past the information that you've been given from a bad teacher mm-hmm. well I, I want I, I want dr. Molly to come back in I'm gonna wrap this up but we just want to get some some final um, closing out comments on this particular topic which is uh, basically a, a quick uh, review of the Gospels of Matthew and and um, if there's anything that sticks out to you, Dr. Monley, what would it be as we close this thing up? That sticks out in, in Matthew? Mm-hmm. It would have to be um, Jesus' relationship with his disciples. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he, it, through the parables... Even as other people would come on, like we understand that there are 12 disciples, but they were actually much more than 12. But only the 12 remained through different situations. Only the 12 remained. And then out of the 12, there were three that were very close to him. And even though he knew what Judas was going to do, he loved him just the same. He didn't limit his access to him at all. Judas still had the same access to the father that the other 11 had. And that that sticks out to me because, again, it speaks to his love. It speaks to 
how he expects us to be as humans. That at all times, when we're naming the name of Christ, that we should behave like Jesus did. And what does that mean? That means to love one another. That means to go into the places and that, you know, people won't go. Mm -hmm. And he did that with his disciples when he gave them their instructions and he sent them out. He gave them instructions on what to take with them and what not to take with them. And even when they tried to be, you know, excited and prideful about the fact that they cast out devils and they did these things in his name. And, you know, he quickly got them together and said, hey, that's not what's important, right? Like, just his relationship with his disciples and even in that short three-year period of time, how, how, you know, looking at how they started and where they were just from three years of being an intimate relationship with him, they turned the world upside down. After only having three years of intimate relationship with the Lord. What do we say today as Christians after three years of intimate relationship with the Lord? Are we able to do the same? Are we willing to do the same? Can we do the same? Amen. Well, if I was, uh, if somebody asked me what is something in Matthew that jumps out to me, as Spiritual as the book is, as, as it is the instruction manual for the church, I really love the prayer, which we all know as the, the Lord's yes. Prayer or the Our Father Prayer. And, and it, it gets to one point where it says, your will be done on earth as it is in mm. heaven. So you know why that speaks to me so richly is that we as believers should not be so heavenly minded that we know earthly good. Yeah. <laughs> we need to keep our mind on heaven, yes, but our feet are on the ground. Mm. And we've got to um, make this world a better place as we, you know, as we look towards heaven. You know, it's not just about getting ready for heaven, it's about bringing justice and righteousness into this world that we live in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's real good. That's real good. I like that. Well, I'm going to wrap this up. Um, and Dr. Monty, would you just give us a close out, some words to close us out? Then we'll say good night. Um, I really would just, you know, echo what you, you've been saying about um, the book of Matthew and the necessity for both believer and non-believer to get to know him and to start by spending that time with him and spending time in the word. And that's the way that you're going to get to know him. Matthew is an excellent place to start. It's very rich. It not only shows you who Jesus is, but it's, it gives you the, uh, a message of his mom, his dad, his earthly ministry, um, and his death, burial and resurrection. You, you get, you know, a comprehensive look at him in a very easily digestible book it's quite easy to understand so yeah i i, I really like this um that you are, are having this conversation on matthew today so now let me ask you before we go i think it wouldn't be right if i didn't ask you to just share um with people where they can tell them about your book and where they can get it. uh so um my new book is called redefining success eight tools that i've used to develop a growth mindset 
uh, that the book can be found um, on Amazon. If you're following me here on Wisdom, uh, you can find my link tree uh, here. And if you click that link in my link tree, it will take you right out uh, to purchase a copy of the book. If you're not following me, please consider following me. Um, and if you have difficult time finding my link tree here on Wisdom, just go to Amazon and type in my name, Laquita Mondley, and you'll be able to see um, not, on, not only uh, Redefining Success, but you'll also be able to find my podcast there as well. So, but thank you so much for the opportunity to speak about my book and let people know where they can find it. My book is all about the importance of identity and that identity is in Christ. And it's through that our relationship with the Lord that he can clearly show us who we are whose we are and equip us to pursue um, our purpose in the earth with a passion. Well, I, I, um, I thank you for coming in tonight and you know, I read the book. <laughs> <laughs> I read the book, you know, we talked about the book. I had to read it. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't not read it and try to talk to you about it. So I read the book and I, it's highly recommended reading. And um, I would encourage um, those who are listening to run out and get it. I'm just going to close this session tonight by, Asking you again, folks, to to visit my website, which is www.reverendjstuartglover.com. You can hear these um, broadcasts, re rebroadcast um, re, re or replay it with a little music behind it. You can leave comments. You can contact me by email. You can leave me a voicemail. You can uh, comment on the um, on the episode. You can comment on the blog articles. Um, it's a place for you to reach out to me and, and make that connection. I want to thank people from around the world that have been um, looking at the site in Ireland and Singapore and Sweden, Africa, and of course in the United States and other places, I won't name them all. But thank you for coming, Dr. Monley, and I hope so to talk to you me. again soon. And, and to my listening group, we'll be back um, next Sunday at four o'clock. God bless you, enjoy your evening. <laughs>